Good morning, Christ Point. Hope you are well this morning. Uh, if you are a guest with us this morning, I want to welcome you this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, a number of our kiddos, obviously, are outside. You may notice that uh, we're outnumbered, right? And so if they come together uh, to take over, we're in trouble. Um, if you are new to Christ Point, I just want to let you know this is not my real voice. Uh, I have a little bit of a head cold uh, today. Safe, safe. Uh, but I want to let you know. So if I'm up here and uh, you, you think I'm struggling a little bit, I probably am, um, but I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Uh, there should be a card on your seat with a QR code. Uh, if you pull out your phone and take a picture of that or scan it, it'll take you to a form online. You can let us know that you were here this morning. It's the best way for us uh, to be able to come alongside you and see how we might be able to uh, serve you as a church family. And so I want to encourage you to do that uh, this morning. want to let you know a handful of exciting things that are taking place here at Christ Point uh, in the days ahead. Uh, as you probably know, uh, this is Memorial Day weekend. And so I know a lot of people uh, barbecue on Memorial Day weekend. They hop in uh, the car and they take trips uh, to the beach. Uh, you apparently did not uh, because you're here. So I'm, I'm sorry, but it's good to have you. Uh, I'm glad that you stayed back. Um, but I do want to encourage you uh, sometime today to pause and give thanks to God for uh, the men and women who uh, gave their lives uh, for us so that we might uh, enjoy a measure of freedom and, uh, and, and pause and do that. I really want to encourage you uh, today, uh, this, this weekend. And so I think all of us, if we were to go around this morning, would be able to point to someone in our lives uh, that we could say, oh, I, I know, my, you know my grandfather served or my great-grandfather served or a cousin or an uncle. Um, and just give thanks to God uh, for them this weekend, if you would. I want to let you know that next weekend, the first Sunday of each month, is time for us to gather food, to donate to the food pantry at Mission City Church. Uh, we've been partnering with Mission City Church almost for a year now. Uh, God's really used them to do some amazing work in the Charlotte community, uh, reaching out to, uh, to some families in need, uh, praying for folks on Thursdays, giving them uh, groceries, and uh, they've been able to see actually a number of people come to know the Lord through that ministry, and uh, we've been able to play a part. So how cool is that for us to be able to partner with them and experience that joy? And so uh, circle your calendars next Sunday, bring those, uh, bring those groceries. I'm sure there'll be a reminder for you this, this next week. also want to let you know that two weeks from today is Discover Christ Point. Discover Christ Point is an opportunity for you to come and hear more about what God is doing uh, here at Christ Point. You'll hear about why we exist, which is to point people to Jesus, uh, how we go about pursuing that as a people. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't had an opportunity to attend yet, uh, let us know that you're coming. You can send me an email at james at christpoint.com or info at christpoint.com, or you can just holler at me and be like, hey, I'm going to be there. Uh, I would love to see you. So uh, two weeks uh, from the, today, um, that Wednesday, which is June the 9th, is the deadline to register. And so if you're planning on coming, uh, please let us know if you could by uh, the 9th of uh, June. also want to let you know that the 20th of June is Father's Day, Mother's Day. It's in the past. Sorry, moms. Uh, Father's Day is just around the, the corner, and we're going we're gonna to celebrate as, as a church on Father's Day. Uh, we're going to have baby dedication here at Christ Point. And so uh, if you have a little one that you'd like to have dedicated, I'd love to have a conversation with you sometime in the next week or two and let you know what that looks like at Christ Point as we uh, dedicate your little boy or your little girl uh, to the Lord. Also want to let you know, um, that's kind of a big week for us as a church. On June the 18th, just a couple days before Father's Day, we are going to officially uh, sign uh, papers for the six and a half acres of land uh, right off of Ridge Road. 
And so if you have been walking with us for a little while, you may have heard that we had an opportunity uh, to purchase uh, six and a half acres of land right uh, over my right shoulder, uh, believe it or not, right off of Ridge Road. And we're just so excited to see how God uses that place um, to make a difference in our community as we seek to point people to Jesus. So we're going to sign the papers on the, on the 18th, and then on Father's Day after the service, we're going to walk over or drive over to the land together, and we're just going to give God thanks and say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done. So um, I, listen, I know, you know, we're, we're, I kind of joke sometimes, we're, uh, uh, we're not a loud bunch, but um, let's, let's get loud and give God thanks. Yeah, right? <clears throat> I love that. So that'll be June the 20th. Um, uh, one last note, um, our GO team here at Christ Point does an amazing job at identifying both local and global missions uh, for us to partner with people both in our community and around the world. Um, a lot of times, maybe from your point of view, you may wonder, hey, who do we partner with as a church? Who are these folks that we come alongside of? Maybe you've seen some pictures online before. Maybe you've heard us talk about organizations like uh, you know, CIN, and you're like, I'm sure that stands for something, but I don't know what it stands for. Um, over the course of the last few months, I've been interviewing some of our ministry partners. And so I've had an opportunity to like, interview John Hernandez, uh, who started Children's Impact Network um, about 15 years ago. And, um, and I recently had an opportunity to sit down with Mauricio. Mauricio uh, and his wife uh, live in Colombia. And a number of years ago, um, they uh, literally had to uh, pack um, their belongings in a suitcase and get out of Dodge, like ASAP. Um, their, their lives were in danger, and so they came uh, to the States for a few years, and they're back in the country now. And I had an opportunity uh, to interview Mauricio uh, as he was in his car in Bogota uh, on his way to church. And so it's, it's about 20 minutes long, and so I want to encourage you, church family, you probably received an email um, this morning, or you will this afternoon, uh, with a link to that interview. We're just asking that you don't share that. Uh, if you could, just because of the sensitive nature of some of the things that he shares. And so um, this is a great opportunity to us to hear uh, from the people that we've had the joy in partnering alongside of. So I want to encourage you to do that. Sound good? Would anyone like to add any announcements? Perfect. Wonderful. Um, when I was growing up and uh, I liked a girl or a girl like me, uh, I would hope for a note. Like I would keep my fingers crossed and I would think, I hope, I hope she writes me a note. And I hope that she dots her eyes with like little hearts and has like little squiggly lines. Um, nowadays, um, I don't think we do that. I think we just send people emojis. But, uh, but back in the day, when I was a little younger than I am today, uh, we would write notes. And when you would get a note, it was a big deal, right? I mean, you'd open it up and you'd read the note and you just wouldn't glance over the note. You would read every word of the note. You'd analyze the words, you know, you'd try to read between the lines because you're thinking this person, maybe, just maybe, they like me, right? And so, so you grew to kind of love that little note or to love that little letter. You, you clung to it, right? Um, the, the Bible is kind of God's love letter to us. Right? He used human authors to speak his words to you and to me. And so a lot of times as a church family, we'll, we'll open up one of these books, one of these letters, and we'll look through it together and we'll do it slowly um, because we don't want to miss anything because we really believe that God's word is living and active and he uses it to form us and shape us and change hearts and lives. Right? And so we're walking through the book of Colossians 
And I want to read uh, five verses this morning, and I want us to think together about what God is saying to us uh, through the Apostle Paul. So if you have your Bible, turn with me, uh, if you would, <coughs> to Colossians uh, chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to pray together right after I get some tea. If you don't have a copy of the Word this morning, the passage will be on the screen for you as well, and you're more than welcome to follow along. Uh, Paul writes to this church at Colossae, it was a small church, and he said to them, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for those who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Uh, would you pray with me? Uh, if you would, take a moment and, and you pray for you. You know you better than I know you. And so ask that God may speak to you this morning through his word and by his spirit. Would you do that now? And if you would be so kind, would you pray for me uh, that I would be clear uh, this morning and that my words might be helpful in pointing you to Jesus? God, I love the sound of our kids and our students running and playing. When I hear their voices, I hear joy, and I'm reminded that you are a God of joy. Uh, you are the, uh, the originator of joy. Joy is found in you, and so I thank you, Lord, for extending joy to us uh, today. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you still use it today to form and shape the hearts and lives of your people. I pray in our time together that you would do that, that you would use your word to form and shape us. Uh, open our eyes, Lord, open our ears. Uh, give us attentive hearts to receive from you what you have for us this morning. Uh, God, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. When I was a little boy, uh, I loved watching wrestling on TV. Uh, I'm a, little, I'm a little ashamed to admit that uh, now that I've gotten older, but I, like, I, love, I love watching Hulk Hogan, you know, like tear off his, his yellow and red t-shirt and, uh, and like do, you know, this, this little thing where he'd cup his hands, he'd come over and, you know, the, the crowd would just go nuts. I love uh, watching uh, The Ultimate Warrior. You know, with his face paint and his, and his muscles bulging out, and he, would, and he would run down the aisle as fast as he could, and he would get in the ring and hold on to the top rope and shake it like a dog with a chew toy. Like he was like, Ugh. I would have nightmares 
uh, of Jake the Snake Roberts, who would defeat his opponent, and he would pull out that big snake, and it would slither all over his defeated foe. I loved watching wrestling. Uh, Until one day, until one day, um, that all changed. And it changed when my dad had the nerve. You're never going to believe this. He had the nerve to tell me that it wasn't real. <laughs> Can you believe it? Can you believe it? I couldn't. I said, I said Dad, like those, those are real moves. Those are real moves. That's real, that's real blood, Dad. That's real blood. Those are real steel chairs. That's real. And he said, James, those are real actors. Like, that's not real. I pushed back initially, but, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I came to the conclusion, yeah, he's probably right. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not real. And so I had this season in my life for the longest time when, when I actually believed that. I actually believed that, that wrestling uh, wasn't real. But you're never going to guess what happened. I've come full circle. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've come full circle. I, I believe, I believe that wrestling is real. I believe that wrestling is real. Um, not, not that kind of wrestling. The wrestling I was talking about, that's fake. Um, but I believe that there is a wrestling that takes place in the Christian life. I believe that there is a, a wrestling that you experience and I experience in our, in our walk with God. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul talks about this wrestling in Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. He said, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Now, this, this word here in the New Testament for struggle was used of the Greek games. Uh, it was a word that was used of uh, running, boxing, or wrestling. It's, it's an athletic term. Uh, and, and this is the term, this struggle, this contest uh, that marks a life with God. In the New Testament, it's presented as the, the life task of the Christian. You ever run a race before? Ever run uh, around the block or run a 5K or run a half marathon or just run to the end of the block? You ever take a, a Zumba class before, like for the first time and sometime? Uh, you ever compete in a Spartan race? You ever remember what it was like when you, when you first participated in two-a-days when you were used to like two-a-months? You, you know the sheer exhaustion that you would feel uh, running that race? You know what it's, it's, it's like to think to yourself, I, I can't <clears throat> do one more rep. I can't run the next uh, 50 yards. I, I can't even uh, imagine finishing what I've started. I am so exhausted. You, like You have nothing left in your tank. You ever been there before? That's the picture that Paul is using in Colossians chapter 2 as he talks about his wrestling or struggling on behalf of the church. Um, the, the word here that, that Paul uses for struggle is oftentimes a word that, uh, that we use for 
uh, the word agony. It means to agonize. And he's writing to the church, and he's saying, I am uh, wrestling, I'm struggling, I'm agonizing on your behalf. Like, I'm, I'm going before the Lord, and I, and I am praying for you in, in agony. I'm struggling, I'm wrestling with God. It's almost that picture that we read about in the Old Testament when Jacob uh, wrestles with the Lord. You remember that story? He he's like, says to the angel of the Lord, this person that he's wrestling with, like, until you bless me, I'm not going to let you go. Like, you, you better bless me, you better bless me. And he wrestles with him all night. And it's almost that, that picture of wrestling with God, with God on behalf of another. Um, do you ever wrestle with the Lord on behalf of another? Like, is there someone in your life, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your little boy or your little girl, Maybe it's a neighbor or a colleague or someone you love, but you just find yourself going before the Lord in, <clears throat> like in agony, struggling or wrestling and say, God, man, I'm, I'm begging. I'm begging that you move and act in their hearts and in their lives. God, I'm, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go until you hear my prayer, until you respond, until you act. That, that's the picture that Paul has here um, of this church at Colossae, a church, incidentally, that Paul had never seen before. He had never visited. Like, like, these weren't people that he grew up with and had a relationship with and a, and a background with. Like these, and these were brothers and sisters in the Lord, but, but these weren't folks that he ran with. And yet he wrestled before the Lord on their behalf. Why did he, why did he do it? Why did he struggle? Why did he wrestle? Well, uh, we're told in Colossians chapter 2, uh, verse 2, he says, I want you to know how great a struggle that I have for you and those at Laodicea and those who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, that their hearts may be encouraged. He said, I'm wrestling on your behalf because I want these people to be encouraged. The word, therefore, encouraged is a similar word that oftentimes you see used in scripture of the spirit, um, someone who comes alongside someone else and speaks courage into their heart and into their life. That's the picture. It's someone coming alongside of someone else and, and speaking words of courage uh, into their heart and into their life. Paul is praying for the church. He's going before the Lord, wrestling with God on behalf of the church at Colossae. And he's begging God that the church might be encouraged. If you were to look around this morning, I don't care what direction you would look, whether it's to your left or to your right, before you uh, or behind you or outside uh, at those kids and those students and those adult volunteers out there, um, every single person that you see this morning, I can guarantee you um, that they need to be encouraged. I don't, I don't care what they look like on the outside. I don't care if you see them from a distance and you think to yourself, they've got it all together. I guarantee you that they need to be encouraged. If you were to look around this morning and see the people sitting around you and next to you, even if you see the, their very best life on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, um, I guarantee you, regardless of the picture that they put out for the world to see, they need to be encouraged. This, this last year, this last 14 months, for everyone, has been challenging. Right? There, were, there, were, there were no instruction manuals that we could hand out for navigating through a worldwide pandemic 
right? Craziness in an election and racial tensions as a, as a people. Those, those are way, just one of those things is weighty. But you take all of them and, and you have on your hands a, like a messy soup. And it's hard. It's hard to navigate through it. It's hard to know what to say and what not to say. It's, it's hard to know when to speak up and when to listen. It's difficult and it's challenging. And you see brothers and sisters, people that you know and love and care deeply about, and you realize uh, pretty quickly that people don't always see things the way that you see them. And you think to yourself, oh, well, okay. Like all of us uh, need to be encouraged. And so Paul wrestles with God on behalf of the church at Colossae. He agonizes over this church and says, God, I, I pray that, that you would encourage their hearts. I pray that you would bring uh, someone to come alongside of them and speak courage into their hearts and into their lives. Struggle, uh, Paul said, uh, for others so that others might be encouraged. Secondly, uh, Paul writes and says, struggle for others so that they might be uh, united in love. Verse 2 says that their hearts may be encouraged, be knit together uh, in love. Paul prays that the church would be united. That's that idea of being knit together in love. Isn't it interesting that Paul uh, talks about the church being knit together in love? I have to be honest with you. Like, there's part of me that thinks Paul would say, I would, uh, Lord, I pray that the church would be knit together in theology. You know, because it seems like more often than not, uh, churches are knit together or united in their statement of faith and what they believe. And what they believe is certainly important. Paul's writing to the church because there's false teaching coming into the church, and he's warning the church. He's going, hey, be careful, be careful. So Paul's not like pushing that idea aside that theology doesn't matter or our view of Jesus doesn't matter. He's not saying that, but what he is saying is, is church, I pray, I pray God that they would be united, that they would be knit together in love. Knit together in love. Are we, are we a people who are knit together in love? Like when you, when you come across someone who doesn't see things the same way that you see them, who has a, a different uh, perspective on the world, but, but they're, they're a brother or sister in the Lord. Do, do you still look at that person and go, no, like we're, we're united, we're, we're bonded in the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus. The same love that God loved us with, we get to extend uh, to others. The stitching that unites the fabric of the church is love. The stitching that unites the fabric of the church is love. How are we doing at uh, being united in love? How are we doing? I heard a pastor a number of years ago uh, say to me, James, you know, I think uh, sometimes in the church 
we become so focused on our position regarding a matter um, that we fail to think about our posture regarding that matter. Like we're, we're so passionate about our position, but we don't stop to think about our posture. Paul's wrestling with God and he's praying on behalf of this small little church. And he's saying, God, I pray that this church is, is united, is knit together uh, in love. Uh, struggle for the encouragement of God's people. Struggle that God's people might be united in love, knit together in love. And then uh, Paul says, struggle for, uh, so that others may know Christ. Look at verses 2 and 3 of Colossians chapter 2. He says that their hearts may be encouraged, be knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's a mouthful there. <laughs> That's one of those verses that you need to read twice. All right? The riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of of God's mystery. That knowledge of God's mystery is Christ. And so Paul writes to this church and says, I want you to have assurance. I don't, I, I don't want you to be wishy-washy in the faith. Like, I, I want you to know what you believe, to, to be firm in the faith. I want you to have full assurance of understanding. It's almost like he's saying it once. Part of me thinks if I read understanding, I would think that I would have full assurance. Paul's like, no, I want, I want them to have full assurance of understanding, of the knowledge of God's mystery. And the knowledge of God's mystery uh, is Jesus. Remember, Paul writes to this church who um, had been hearing a false teaching. There was a group of people at Colossae who were teaching that they had kind of a corner on the truth about the person and work of Jesus. Right? And so they believed that they had special knowledge. And they looked at other people as those who were on the outside looking in. And Paul's writing to the church and saying, no, 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 you, you have understanding. You have knowledge of the person of Jesus. You're not in the dark. Like how amazing is it that we can have knowledge of the God of the universe? We can know God. You can know God. Whoa. Like that's un. Believable. The God of the universe can be known. We don't know everything about God. We don't know everything about God. Your, your, your pastor doesn't know everything about God. I should, in, in case you're wondering. I had a professor in college that when he would lecture occasionally, a student would raise his or her hand in class and ask a question that the professor didn't know the answer to. And the professor would pause for a moment and he would smile and take a deep breath and say, would you hate me if I said I didn't know? I always love that. Um, do, do you have that in your vocabulary? Like, is that one of the answers on your multiple choice test? I don't know. Um, I, I think it would serve us well as a people if we remembered um, that God is so big 
and so majestic that there are some things, maybe lots of things, um, that we just don't know. And yet, uh, God can be known. Uh, the mystery of God, which is Christ. Jesus has uh, revealed himself uh, to his people. He can be known, Paul writes uh, to the church. He, he, he's wrestling on behalf of this little church and says, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be knit together in love. I want you to remember, I want you to remember uh, that you can know Jesus, that you can know uh, God. Why? Uh, why does he want the church to experience this? Well, he tells us in verse 4, he says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. In other words, there's arguments that you're going to hear that when you first hear them, you're going to think to yourself, that sounds pretty good, and they're not going to be pretty good. There, there's going to be teaching that you hear in life that at, at first glance, you're going to hear it, and you're going to go, that, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm tracking with that. That makes sense. Only to find out that that doesn't make sense. Paul, Paul uses a, a word here, to, to remind the church that these arguments that they're hearing at first glance seem plausible. Did you ever believe something in life at first that you realized wasn't true later? When I first moved to Charlotte, um, I bought a pair of surround sound speakers uh, from the trunk of some guy's car. Go ahead, laugh. I've done a few foolish things in my time, and uh, I don't have the time this morning to share all of them, um, but that was probably one of the top three or five. I was at the bank one day, and I was walking out, and there was a gentleman standing by his car, and he saw me coming and invited me over, and he went on to tell me that he had some stereo equipment in his vehicle, and he was going to sell it to a customer, but the deal fell through, and he couldn't return it, go figure, and he had a deal for me. Uh, not only did he have a deal for me, uh, but he had a colored brochure. I mean, it was 15, 20 pages. I flipped through the brochure, and I saw um, all of the speakers in the brochure, and I was like, those speakers look legit. He gave me his business card with a website on it, and I, I went to the website, and it was a legitimate website. They had more pictures of the speakers on the website. There were some of these things on the website, too, and he said, listen, I've got a deal for you. And he threw out a price for a couple speakers and for a projector, and man, I bet hook, line, and sinker. I thought to myself, he's got a colored brochure. He's got a website. It must be real. But, but after I agreed to this deal, I had a check in my spirit. You ever have this happen before? Where you agree to something and you're thinking to yourself, wait a second. Like I heard long ago from this guy on the radio that just said, if you're about to do something that sounds a little crazy, just say it out loud. And if it sounds crazy, don't do it. Right? So I had that moment where I was, I was driving home and I walked in the front door of the house and I said, hey, Melissa, 
I just bought some speakers and a projector from this guy's trunk. It sounded a little crazy to me. And so I thought, I need to back up. But like, I didn't want to disappoint him because I already kind of agreed on the deal. And I said, listen, I'm not going to do the projector, but I'm going to do the speakers. Right? Because I wanted to save a little face. And so I gave him some money. I'm not going to tell you how much. Don't hate me. Uh, I drove home. And right after I pulled out of the parking lot at the bank, I thought to myself, James, you're an idiot. I drove home, and we had an old house just across the street here. It had this storage in the basement. It wasn't a finished basement, but there's storage in the basement. We'd keep the lawnmower there and stuff. And so I parked the car, and I popped the trunk, and I took those two speakers down in the basement, never to be seen or heard from again. I never opened them. I never opened them. After a couple months, I did tell Melissa, hey, just so you know, I bought a couple speakers from some guy's trunk. To which she replied, what? I said, I know, I know. And she's like, where are they? And I'm like, I threw them out. Like, bad decision. But you know what? In that moment, I know you guys don't trust me now. <laughs> You're like, he's one of the guys leading? Uh, like, in that moment, when I was talking to this guy, it sounded plausible. Like, he had a brochure, he had a website, he was a slick talker. It, it made sense for a brief moment until it didn't. Uh, you know, in the Christian life, you're going to hear some things uh, that in the moment, they're going to sound plausible. You're going to go, hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Paul's warning the church, saying, hey, don't, don't be fooled. Uh, don't en let anyone delude you with plausible arguments. And then he ends with this. It's a call to rejoice in the faith that you see in others. He says in verse 5, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Two observations I just want to make from verse 5. Uh, the first is notice Paul's affection for the church. You notice Paul's affection for the church? Though I am absent in the body, uh, yet I am with you in spirit. You know, sometimes we use that phrase kind of off the cuff when uh, someone's like, hey, um, the moving truck's coming at 8 on Saturday. Can you be there? And you're like, no, but I'm with you in spirit. It's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're just not showing up. Like, you don't want any part of that. Right? Like, like, hey, like, we're running tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. It's a Tuesday. Like, you going to be there? Nope. Nope, not going to be there. But I'm with you in spirit. Um, that's not what Paul's doing here. Right? He's, this is not what Paul is doing. Paul is saying, I have an affection for the church. Paul, Paul was a churchman. Paul loved the church. Man, he loved the church. And if you, if you remember verse 1, Paul's writing to a church. He had never been there before. He didn't start the church. Uh, he didn't visit the church. But he wrestled on behalf of the church. Man, do, do you love the local church? With, with all her blemishes... <laughs> With all our issues, 
Do you, do you love the bride of Christ? Man, it's so cool nowadays to kind of throw the church under the bus and to, to talk about all of the things that the church is not. And listen, the church is filled with imperfect people and it's led by imperfect pastors. So the church has got issues. But I tell you what, um, the church is the bride of Christ. Like you, you love the church. Paul loved the church. He had an affection for the church. Though I am absent in body, I am with you in spirit. And then he says, uh, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of faith. This idea of good order and firmness of the faith were believed to be uh, military terms. It was the sense of like, like you have your faith in order. In other words, you are prepared for battle. And so he's, he's looking to this, this church and he, he's hearing uh, the stories of what his friends are, are saying and he goes, man, I, I love the faith uh, that I hear that you possess. And there are other people in your life that you look to and you go, man, Lord, praise the Lord uh, for his faith. Pray, praise the Lord for the, for the faith of my, my grandmother or my grandfather. And praise the Lord for the faith of my daddy. Like, praise the Lord for the, for the faith of my friend. Man, if you have someone like that in your life, may I suggest to you, um, keep them real close. Uh, keep them real close and give thanks to God uh, for the firmness, for the, for the order, for the uh, beauty of uh, their faith. Christ Point, can I ask you a question uh, this morning? Um, what if, like what if, uh, we were a church that was marked by our struggle and our wrestling for others. Uh, what if we were a people who were known as folks who cry out and beg God uh, to encourage the saints? What if, what if uh, we were marked as a people who were united in love, knit together in love? What if, what if, when, when, when people thought of, of this little church, they thought of a people who know and love God, uh, uh, people who weren't fooled or carried away by the latest teaching, and, and a people who were firm uh, in the faith, um, that kind of place, um, that kind of church uh, would bring glory uh, to God. Uh, let's pray and ask God to help us uh, be that kind of people. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, we uh, love you and we thank you for loving us. Thank you for your living and active word. Uh, thank you that you still use your word to form and shape us, to change us uh, into the image of your son, Jesus. Lord, thanks that we have the opportunity this Memorial Day weekend to come and, and to gather as your people uh, what, a, what a joy it is, what a gift it is, and so we, we give you thanks. Lord, those things that I talked about this morning and that I read about, the things that Paul wrestled with you about, I want, I want those things to mark us. I want us to be a people who struggle and wrestle and agonize for the church. I want us to be a kind of people that are quick to come alongside others to encourage them. I want to be a people who are marked by love, being knit together, united in love. I want to be a people who grow in their knowledge of you, 
uh, for all of eternity. I want to be a people who are not easily swayed uh, by the latest teaching, a people who are firm in the faith. God, would you make it so? Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.